Hey everyone, welcome to the Broke Girl Society podcast. I'm your host, Christina, and thank you so much for listening in. Uh, guess what? This is the one year episode. Uh, can you believe it? Sometimes I can't believe it. I feel it, but it's kind of hard to believe it. This was the goal that out of all the milestones that I've hit and, you know, having that 30 day, that 60 day, 90 day, uh, six months, nine months, and now a year, you know, all those milestones were so important to me because it was just kind of that, that road marker, you know, telling me that I was going in the right direction, that I was going to get to this one year mark. Cause for me, that was, that was my first real big goal. Like when I first entered recovery, I would see these one years and I'm like, I cannot wait to be there. I cannot, I just felt like, you know, one year is kind of the marker that a lot of the people in the community kind of stake. And, um, especially being somebody who talks about this addiction and, who tries to advocate on this addiction, I got a lot of like people who wouldn't really, uh, I'm not going to say work with me, but they were just really hesitant, you know, because getting to one year is, is just a lot. It's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of um, showing up. And and so there's, you know, they just, I, I don't know if it was just that they didn't want to add extra pressure to me or if that they just felt like, you know, they've seen so many people come and go within the year and so anyway, that was my goal early on. I was like, I'm going to show everybody I'm going to make it to a year. And here I am. Um, and I'm hopeful to make it to two years, but I'm just going to going to do it one day at a time, right? That's all we can do. Uh, like I said, I never promise anybody that, that I won't gamble again. I just promise you I don't want to. And I promise you I'm doing everything I can not to. And that includes working on myself every day and just just doing the next right thing. And that's, that's all I can do. Um, is my life perfect a year in recovery? No. Heavens no. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I deal with that I don't publicly deal with. Um, you know, there's, there's still a lot of debt. There's still a lot of, a lot of emotions. There's still a lot to unpack. And we'll talk about that more in this episode. I'm grateful for Tara. I reached out to her last minute and just asked her if she would come on the the podcast and just kind of help walk me through it because I was just kind of overwhelmed a little bit. And um, I'd been doing a lot of different things this month for uh, Problem Gambling Month, which March is, is Problem Gambling Month Awareness. So I was just a little boggled up in my head. And I just thought it'd be great if I had somebody to kind of help me with the flow of the conversation. And of course, she's one of my best friends and, and one of my biggest supporters. So it was great to have her sharing this with me and her podcast, The Ambitious Addicts uh, Beyond the 12 Steps was first podcast I ever did. And that's how our friendship started. And I'm, yeah, I can't say how grateful I am to her. And if you know her, you love her. Um, and I just want to give a shout out to everybody who's been on the podcast who came on to share their stories and, and to be vulnerable. It's, it's not an easy thing. It's, it's, absolutely not an easy thing to do. And, and I'm just so appreciative. I'm appreciative to the people who didn't know why some chick, you know, from Oklahoma with a little indie podcast was reaching out to them to come talk on my podcast and they took a chance and they, they came on, you know, people on the clinical side and people just didn't know me. Jack with Gamban, I just cold called to reach out to him and I'm like, can you explain your online blocking software? Because it's not something that I experienced early on because online gambling isn't isn't um, something we deal with here in Oklahoma legally. 
And, but I was coming across a lot of women who were struggling with it. And I just wanted to understand how the online blockers work. So I reached out to him and he was so kind and great. And he explained everything to me. I actually downloaded it on all my stuff just in case it ever becomes an option. And that way I could help anybody who, who needs help with that, you know, understanding that process. Um, and we built a friendship and now he sponsors the podcast and it's, it's a, it's great because they're a great company. So that's my shout out to Gambian. If you are struggling with online gambling, sorry, lost my thought there. Uh, go to Gambian.com, download their software and, you know, get that, get that started, get that road to recovery, um, laid out before you. So yeah, there's so many things I want to say and just not enough time to say them. And I do want to say it is a thunderstorm today. We've been going through some thunderstorms today and it just feels kind of full circle, doesn't it? If you listen to that first episode, I recorded it in the middle of the night because I was just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And it was right in the middle of the thunderstorm. And so today it's been thunderstorming and it just kind of felt full circle. So again, I appreciate all you guys so much. Sorry for rambling. I'm going to roll on into the episode. We forgot to introduce ourselves. Again, you'll hear our introduction somewhere in the middle. So I hope you guys have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. And uh, I got some great episodes coming up. So all right, here we go. Okay. So I just, I wanted to be just like a, just a regular conversation between us and just kind of like digging, kind of like asking about the journey. Cause I've had a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, I can't wait for your one year episode. And so I'm like, there's pressure. <laughs> so much pressure. Wait, no more. Here it is. Yeah. Congratulations. It's been a year since you placed your last bet. I mean, we're like four and a half hours away or something like that. Right. How, how are you feeling? You know, today I'm like really, really tired, like physically tired, I think mentally tired, but it's just, it's not a bad kind of tired. It's just like, I've been, I ha I've had a little bit more on my plate because March being uh, problem gambling awareness month. And so I've had a lot of extra people like reach out to me uh, to do some extra things. And then just, you know, the everyday pressure I put on myself to do things and all the projects I do, I put myself through not to mention my own recovery and, and, you know, working within the community. So today, it's today like I a buffet like, plate. Sorry. <laughs> no, today I'm feeling it today. I am definitely feeling it. So, yeah, it is like a buffet plate for you right now. I think, you know, you've got your core stuff that's like always on the plate. And then you just keep shoveling stuff on top, like multiple layers. And I'm like, Oh, I want some of that. Let me put that there. I'll take seconds of that. Ooh, one scoop's not enough. To describe. I can actually see it. I'm like a little bit of a magazine here, a little bit of a book here, you know, like, yeah. Another series in the podcast here. So, yeah. And I think like, at, from the outside looking in, right? If if um, people haven't heard your story, they don't know your story, and you said it's my one year, they probably are like shocked that this is where you are in your recovery because you are doing a lot for problem gambling awareness and to serve people who need help. And so, I guess I wasn't asking how you're feeling today specifically. How are you feeling about hitting this milestone and making it to a year without placing a bet? And I'll add the, my favorite, right? <laughs> On anything but yourself. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, no, I, 
I see that's how tired my brain is. I'm like, well, today I'm tired. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what my brain is. But overall, I feel I feel so amazing. Like I remember thinking, I don't know, maybe Octoberish or something, and somebody I saw somebody else celebrating their one year, and I was like, Yeah, I'm just I could, I could see it, but I was still so nervous. Like, am I going to make it? Am I going to get there? And for me, the one year has been from the very beginning, the number I wanted to hit at the bare minimum, you know, every milestone, every day I didn't gamble is a, is a reason for me to celebrate. I feel, um, every milestone was just a mile marker. Like you're going in the right direction. Just keep, keep getting to that next you know, you've got your 30 day, 60 day, 90 day, and then they jump to six months. Is it nine months? And then a year in the GA or most 12 step programs. And so it was just like each one of those milestones was just like, oh, you are going in the right direction. Just, just keep moving this way. And so that one year for me, I don't know that it'll be like a bigger deal going into the next year, but the one year for me, I've been talking about it for about a month. Cause I'm like, it's coming. I see it. I see it. I know I'm going to get there, especially after having such a rough patch during the holidays, you know, with struggles and emotions and triggers and things like that. You know, I, I, I would be lying if I say I wasn't a little bit worried through that period of time. Um, there's a part of me that knew I wouldn't gamble because I just could never, like imagine coming back to the community and being like, I'm sorry, guys, I, I didn't do it. Um, didn't make it, but I don't know. And I, I had such great support systems, you especially and and the BGS community and, and just the recovery community in general. So I had, I had great people around me to help me. Yeah. What would you say like to the people who are maybe on this, just slightly behind you on this path, right? What would you say to them about when, when it gets tough, what worked for you? Cause you did have a rough patch during the holiday season where you were, you were concerned, you were having more thoughts about gambling than you normally do these days. And I know we talked about it a lot. What did you do to support yourself through that? Yeah, I reached out. I reached out. That's the biggest thing I did. I reached out and I said, Hey, I am struggling. I reached out to you know, a handful of people and that, that connection, you know, we talk about connection so much in this community and how important connection is. It, it's saved my recovery. It's what my recovery is built on. And I think a lot of times mentally, especially early on, we, we tell ourselves, I don't want to bother anybody. Like everybody's got their own shit, their own lives. Um, I don't want to inconvenience them or, you know, I don't want to burden them. And I would say in most cases, that's just not true. Like we want to help. Like we, we want to be that person on the other end of the phone. That's like, Hey, you're going to get through this. Let's, let's figure this out. Let's, you know? And so I want to say that to somebody listening who, who's like, doesn't make that call, you know, um, just make the call, just make the call because it will, it is the difference of how your recovery can, can really progress. You can't do it by yourself. We can't. (laughs) 
I remember one of the things I said to you was like, well, thoughts are normal. Like you're a recovering addict. Of course, you're going to have thoughts of your drug of choice. You know, that's your compulsive gambler. You're going to have thoughts of re-engaging in that behavior, but they are thoughts. And you, instead of acting on them, remembered, I can call people instead of doing that. And you reached out to me probably more frequently than normal, though we talk a lot anyway. Um, in that window, and and I the the tone of our conversations was certainly a little bit different at that time. Well, I'm really proud of you. That's how I'm feeling about you being at this milestone. You are um, working an impeccable program of recovery, and it's been amazing to watch. You've been a wonderful example for me um, for that, and and my biggest support system. Um, along with my family and, you know, like I said, people in the community, but you definitely, when you reached out to me, was I 30 days or 60 days? Close to 60. 60 days. And I just remember thinking when you reached out to me and and we had this conversation on the podcast and I was re-listening to that episode, those, those two episodes, not that long ago. And I was just looking, just kind of, I was so thankful for you. And after that conversation, and I know there's anonymity and all that shit, but if anybody knows this by now, they know that you're my sponsor. And, um, and I just remember you reaching out after that conversation and you were like, you know, I think I was talking about finding a sponsor. I, um, remember you asking, well, what, what are you looking for in a sponsor? And I'm like, just somebody that will talk to me and work these steps with me and show me what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, how this recovery is supposed to go. And you're like, I'll be your temporary sponsor. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Thank you so much. (laughs) Little did you know, I was never letting you go. (laughs) might change your mind someday. (laughs) No, no. But I do remember sitting in my, um, my, local meeting and somebody was asking me about sponsorship and I was like, yeah, I've got, I've got this wonderful sponsor and she's very old school. This woman was very old school. And she was like, really who, you know, cause she'd been in the program so long. She just assumed it was somebody in the program. And I was like, no, it's, it's somebody I met online. I did her podcast. She's like, so you haven't physically met her. But I am in the program. <laughs> I was like, I but think I am in like the program. Locally. I think she yeah. meant like somebody she knew locally. And she was like, so you haven't physically, I'm like, well, I met her over zoom. Like, you know, do I know how tall she is? No, but yeah, we almost met in person and then we did. We I did. was exposed to COVID. We're meeting in person in July. Yes. That is going to be so fun. But yeah. Um, I was like, I have met her. Like she's, she is wonderful, but she was, this woman was very, very skeptical of, of having a sponsor sponsory relationship via zoom. And I'm like, it's just, and it's like, those kind of conversations are what has like really shaped my advocacy in this recovery field is like, there's so much more ways that we can recover than just going to an in-person meeting and, and, and having like an in-person sponsor. And that's wonderful. It's wonderful if you have that relationship and you can, you can do that, but 
you know, with the way the world has turned now, it's like meetings are disappearing, like in-person meetings are like dissolving and, and the programs are, some are still really strong and some are just like dwindling. So it's like, we have to be progressive, don't we? Yeah, I think we have to be progressive about our own recovery. And I think if we're, you know, if we're really wanting to be there for people who are struggling and suffering and what if they don't have a meeting within a two hour radius, how are they supposed to find sponsorship? And so I know that there's options for phone conferences. There's also other programs that meet exclusively via Zoom and it's working. I saw the app Clubhouse get people sober from alcohol and drugs and that's audio only. They don't even see each other's faces and it's working. People are hitting their one year milestones and it's incredible. So I think, you know, you and I share that mindset that there's no one right way to recover. I know what helped me recover. I think we work a program, a 12 step program that has guided us in our work together. I also have a sponsor. So I have somebody who set a very good example for me. I also had a temporary sponsor. So I was very prepared to be a temporary sponsor. I just looked it up out of curiosity. That's what the noise was in the background earlier that you might need to cut out, but maybe you'll leave it. I was pulling up my own podcast to see when we did that. So it was probably closer to your 30 days because the date I published was April 8th. And so, yeah, just a little over it was, 30 I days. was thinking it was right at like right around 30 days, but I couldn't quite remember. Um, but I just, I, I was listening to like myself on that in the way that I was talking and I was definitely, you know, being an experienced person in recovery now, <laughs> I can listen to that episode and I can hear the pink cloud. So like, <laughs> but I can also hear tones of the anger, you know, yeah. that it, it took me about till about 60 days before I kind of really recognized what the anger, the grief, you know, some of those emotions, and I can mm-hmm. really hear them in those, those early episodes, which is why I love talking to people early on is it's kind of a marker, you know, they can go back, they can listen. And even if it's somebody that has gone back out, you know, maybe they can go and listen to, to their episodes prior and be like, yeah, I still, I still want to make that goal. And I still, you know, or maybe they can kind of see where their emotions were and, and things like that. So that's why I really like talking to people in early recovery, where in this community, you know, the golden rule is like one year. Right. And I think that's what caused me to wait, what? Like not like in a lot of, a lot of the communities, like on the clinician side, like clinical side, it's like, everybody wants you to be a year to really be advocating for recovery. Oh, 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 okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody kind of want, you know, they look for that one year mark to really kind of pull you in and be a voice and, and those types of things. And I can completely understand it. I do. I mean, being in this community, working in this community, you see people come in and, and they're all fired up and ready to go. And then you see them pull away or, you know, because for some people it's a process for some people it's, it's in and out, you know, it's in and out until finally, finally something resonates or finally, you know, those small changes have progressed to the big change. And so when I say that, when I say that I see people coming in and out of the community, I, I don't mean that in any type of like judgmental or offensive way. It's, it's, it's a fact, you know, 
people will come in and I very much could have been that person. You come in when you're upset and you're down and you're beat up and you want help and you want explanations of why you did what you did. A week later, your emotions might've like leveled out and you don't want to look at the gambling stuff anymore, right? You don't want to look at the recovery stuff anymore because one, you think you can do it on your own. Two, it's, it can be triggering. And for some, it can be, um, or three, you just start to convince yourself that you don't have a problem because you read somebody else's story who was 10 times worse than yours. And so it's just like, I, you know, early on, I was just like, I don't understand this, but now it's like, I do understand it. Not everybody's, not everybody's going to be built to, to navigate the community for the rest of their lives, but I will. Yeah, it's an interesting that whole like for the rest of your life thing, right? I remember was one of my first meetings, like people in there that had 20 plus years without a bet. And I was like, why are you still here? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, they're still there because it works. <laughs> like that's what worked. And I think that's why I keep going. That's why I continue to go to meetings. I do I have her just gamble these days? No. I have desire to help those who are still suffering and battling that. And I may have one now and then, right? And I think that complacency can really set in if you're not minding your recovery, if you're not working your version of a program of recovery. I want to emphasize that. Um, and come coming in and going out, you know, I've also seen now that I've been in in my recovery community for about five and a half years, I've seen a lot of coming in and coming out and coming in again and hearing what happened. And I tell you what, those times of people returning are more often than not, not always, but more often than not, even more devastating than the time before. And so um, I think I... I think this is true for you too, because if I remember right, we met after you had you know, that 30 day mark, this clean date wasn't your first one, right? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that might yeah. be where I was pulling the 60 days from, because it was right about 60 days that I, that I was able to, to abstain, not recover, abstain, because I didn't understand recovery. I didn't even know the definition of it. Um, and so, yeah, I, and it was worse that week that I spent chase. It was like, I was completely out of control completely. I spent not only my, every penny of my paycheck, but most of my husband's. And it was just like, and it was, I mean, it was just so devastating. It was the beginning of the month. I needed to pay all these bills. Mm-hmm. And I just kept telling myself, I got to get it back. I got to get it back. And the sad part was, is I probably did 10 times, uh, during that week, but it was until I didn't have another cent to play that I finally was like, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't. And so you'd already had this taste of abstinence. And yeah. you're like, Wait, I'm like that so didn't it made cut it. it feel like the whole episode was more of a mania, mania psychotic sure. kind of an episode. Like it was like disembodied, like, yeah. and it was just, I just remember sitting in my car, you know, after midnight that night and it was just like, I don't understand what's wrong with me. I don't understand how I became this person. Like I have, I have nothing. 
you know, and so I still very much talking about it. I could still very much feel that night or that early morning. And, you know, um, I just, I remember feeling so just devastated, just completely, completely broke. And I remember, you know, having that the lowest of the lows, the darkest of the darkest thoughts, you know, and, and then I remember going to my mom and I was so scared. I was shaking before I even walked into her house. I was shaking. And I remember that feeling too, but I also remember the feeling after our conversation and that feeling of asking for help, just saying, this is what, this is what's been going on with me. This is, you know, and I remember just the look on her face was just kind of like, she, she wasn't surprised, but she was, she was surprised, you know, like kind of this, like, I knew you were, you had a problem, but I didn't know it was like this. And then it was just like, she didn't really know what to say. And she was afraid of putting her foot in her mouth, which she told me later on, she was afraid she was going to say the wrong thing. So that's why she didn't really say much except for we're going to figure this out. So, yeah. So it's like that, just that whole roller coaster of emotions in that, that 12, 13 hour time frame, you know, from, from complete devastation to hopefulness. And then it was, it was just from then on, you know, that first GA meeting that became a pillar of my recovery, um, meeting you being another pillar of my recovery and just, just the progressing forward, you know, um, those are all, those are all emotions and, and feelings that are just like etched in my heart, you know, like just, just pull them up. <laughs> you just put yourself right back in that moment and feel exactly how you felt in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. And I think that's what keeps me, keeps me moving forward too. And I, I, there's a part of me that, that doesn't want to not be able to feel that again, that just that, that ray of emotions, you know what I mean? There's a part of me that always wants to remember it. Yeah. I still do. I still do. Um, I remember it every time I'm working with somebody who is coming in for the first time. I can put myself right back to that same feeling and describe it to the to the other person. What what does powerless feel like? You know, like, like that's um, that's what it feels like. It feels like a hundred different desperate emotions at once, and we've been given that gift of desperation almost. Uh, as someone in my home group says says that, and it's you know, think of desperation as a gift um, is a little mind bendy, but without that desperation, we wouldn't have found our new version of ourselves or renewed is probably an even better way of putting it. Cause I think we've had this inside of us all along the ability to be who we are today and grow into who we want to be in the future. If we continue to work a program of recovery. So you, you said like I was abstinent and I wasn't in recovery. Like how would you describe the difference? Yeah, this is something that, um, you know, I I think about a lot because I know a lot of people who are just 
abstinent, right? A lot of people who just, and it's, and it has worked for them. Um, so again, it goes back to what works best for you, like what you're comfortable with. But for me, the difference is, is definitely community, uh, definitely, you know, being involved in helping somebody else progress in their own recovery journey, um, you know, service work, things like that. I think, I think recovery is, okay, I'm not sure I'm expressing myself right. Okay. So for me, abstinence is just like, you just kind of keep walking a straight line. Like you're not really, you're white knuckling it. I'm not yeah, going to bet. I'm not going to bet. I'm not going to bet. I'm not going to do it. You're not really fixing, fixing the reasons why it was a problem. And I know there's, there's different versions. I think when I talked to Jody Bechtold before she said, you know, there's, there's people where it's, it's a symptom of a problem. Mm-hmm. Gambling addiction is a symptom of a problem. In my case, I joked that I was a hybrid because the other would be like just a, an addictive personality, you know, or other mental uh, disorders that, that tie into it. For me, I kind of feel like it's a hybrid. I feel like I've always kind of had an addictive personality. I've always kind of been a compulsive, like uh, instant gratification type person. Um, but yeah, it's very much for me, it was very much a symptom of my life. Uh, of things I wasn't dealing with. And so when you're, when you're just trying to abstain, right, you're just, you're not fixing those issues. And for me, it's just kind of like walking through life without veering off the pretty path. You know what I mean? Like taking the scenic route. Like it's, for me, it's just like walking a straight, this is how I picture absence, walking a straight gravel road or a straight blacktop road, nothing like nothing in sight, just the straight blacktop road. Right. So just getting from point A to point B every day. But for me, I like to take the pretty, pretty path that might lead to the ocean or, you know, the pretty path that might go to the mountain overlook, you know, or shit squirrel. Like, I mean, that's just me. And maybe you'll see some squirrels on your way wandering (laughs) down this path. Yeah. Like I'm just, I just want to see that there's something else besides the blacktop in front of me. And I want to feel that. I want to feel that that's the best way that I can describe the difference between abstinence and recovery for me. So I think for me, the abstinence was what I focused on as we've talked about in the beginning of my recovery, it took a while before I was formally working the steps. I was discussing the steps. Um, but I, I really focused on abstinence in the beginning, that one foot in front of the other. And it was a lot of like, a lot of my fixation was simply on what can I do to not bet? What can I do to not bet? What can I do to not bet? You know, and that, that was the blacktop, right? Right. <laughs> And, um, at some point I then was like, well, there's more than this. These people are elated and happy and they've gone and done amazing things with their lives. And, and I still feel like I'm going through the motions and there's something still unsettled within me. I'm not going, I'm not even asking myself what I want. I'm just kind of, like I said, going through the motions. 
uh, putting one foot in front of the other, which is critical to that abstinence piece. The the step of the, the day at a time, the one foot yes. in front of the other. Absolutely. But when I started asking, like, what else is there? What more is there? And begin to really work the program, which for me means writing the steps. It means getting into workbooks and worksheets. It means talking to a sponsor every week. It means being of service in my meetings, not only going and attending, but also, you know, signing up to make the coffee, put the chairs away, be a greeter, read the readings, you know, an active participant as opposed to an attendee. And I, I would, I, I love this little visualization exercise because it is like picking up your head then, even if you are on a road, it's picking up your head and looking around and noticing the trees and the sky and hearing the birds chirp and seeing the flowers that are along the way and thinking about where does this path go? Um, yeah. So I love, I love the way you illustrated that because I can certainly see in my own experience exactly how that's what it was. Yeah. I'm a very visual person. Like that's for me, that's just how I have to because sometimes I can't quite articulate what I'm trying to say, but if I can visualize it, then it's just so much easier to, to express. Um, but again, it's just like everybody's journey is different, you yes. know, and, and the very most important thing is just not placing the bet for the day, you know, for that day is just, and however you need to do it in that moment, it's just like you said, abstinence was probably the best first step for you at the beginning, because you weren't quite ready to tackle the, the next step. And that's, that's great. You know, it's like the visual picture everybody sees at the staircase, just one little step at a time, you know? Yeah. And for me, and I know the way that I kind of tackled it isn't necessarily the way most people do. I just, I just kept doing what felt right. I kind of started to just go with this like tug in my, my stomach, you know, um, just kind of like this little tug of like, reach out to this person or do this and work on this. And, you know, it was, it was always about growing and, and it will be about growing for me for the, hopefully the rest of my days. Um, but it was very much about what can I do different? What can I do that will help? What can I do that will bring awareness? What can I do that will keep me busy? <laughs> what well, are the days <laughs> where I don't want to set with myself? Like what, cause not every day, you know, I know that's the trick is to be able to set with yourself and go through your business. Some days you just, you just, you're just sick of yourself. You're just absolutely sick of yourself and your emotions and your thoughts. And you just, you want to break from it, but in a healthy way. And so, yeah, for me, it was very much like, I say it's very much a lot, but for me, it's very much about connection and interacting and, um, podcasting. So You've yeah. made a ton of connections. You know, I've told you before how much I'm in awe of all that you have done in this first year. You probably know like all of the thought leaders in the problem gambling awareness community. Um, I don't know at about least that. like many I hope of they their... know about me though. 
many of their names and I think they do know about you. The word has gotten out about your podcast and you started a podcast like two months into your recovery, were you? Uh, no. Okay. So I started recovery March, your... April, May, June, July, four, five months. Okay. July first. Yeah. I feel like it was faster. Oh, I was recording. I was recording them. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. And we were talking, we were talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I was recording them early on and I'll just kind of go into the whole like podcasting thing for a second. Um, you know, as, as most everybody knows, listening, that's just how I thought would be the best way to kind of just share share what I was going through, share my journey. Um, I really didn't think it was going to be like anything really. I didn't think anybody was going to really connect with it kind of thing, but I just felt like I would try, you know, to find some, you know, just to put myself out there and, and just in case there was somebody else like me who wanted to hear more voices out there. Right. (laughs) And I think within the first month I was getting emails and messages and it just, it just really, it really surprised me the kind things that people have said. And, and still to this day, I still like talk to people on messenger that I talked to after like the first couple of weeks, you know, of just like, they'll, they'll message me and be like, great episode. Um, I'd be interested to know, to hear more about this and the next one. And, and I'm yeah. like, okay, all right. I appreciate, I appreciate it so much. And like, what has really surprised me too, is the men that listen mm-hmm. to my podcast. Like, yeah, that has really kind of like, I'm like, okay, all right. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, um, I think this is funny because we were talking just about podcast audience. You were coming on my podcast and you're like, why don't you just do a gambling podcast? You were trying to convince me that I should focus on gambling only. And you had also told me you wanted to do a podcast. I was like, well, you be the, you focus on gambling only. I got this whole other thing I'm doing. I'm doing just addiction broadly and I'll have gamblers on, but I'm focusing on some other stuff. And you were like, okay. <laughs> whatever lady like and and here you are you do yeah you do you fine I will go do that fine I would think it was almost like what should we do it together I don't know what you were what was in your head at the time but I was like no like I want to help women all recovery all pathways I want to feature guests from all addictions and uh and I, I just remember having time myself reflecting like well should I you know, and landing on no, because my, my recovery journey included some substance use. It included also codependency, which I know we, you, you probably have that too. And I was like, hi, I want to do, I want to do more than that in terms of the, the lived experience recovery stories. But I think you've created something so, so special for women in recovery from compulsive gambling to know that, nearly every week they can come and listen to another guest who has lived experience as a woman in recovery from compulsive gambling, which I believe is maybe even more unique than the women in recovery from drug addiction and alcohol addiction. Although I think their rooms are also as male dominated as ours. Um, I don't know that, that they have the same, um, perception that like 
gamblers are all men, you know, like yeah. we, we're not like, it's, it's like we're invisible within our invisible addiction. Sometimes when you listen to the researchers or the people who talk at conferences, like men are mostly affected, like mostly like, what is it? 60%, you know, it's not, it's not really representative. And also just the discomfort so many of us share as we've talked about this with each other, where we are the woman in the room mm-hmm. where, and there's some things that we may need to unpack when we talk about our personal trauma that involve men harming us and true for the men too, right? They probably have trauma they right. need to unpack where they were harmed by women. Um, so I think it's just really special that people can tune into your podcast and hear women in recovery from compulsive gambling consistently showing up to share their stories. It's so cool. And I'm, I'm so thrilled that so many people are finding out about it. Yeah, me too. And it's just funny because I remember, you know, there's been a couple of times that I'm just like, had a couple of different thoughts, you know, after I've had people that I've reached out to because this is, this is, you know, a lot, it's, it's a lot on my end to reach out to people and be like, Hey, do you want to talk? Because And I completely understand, you know, that this is something that's hard for people to talk about. There's still so much stigma, judgment, shame, you know, um, people aren't comfortable being open with their story. And I would never, ever judge anybody for just not wanting to share their story, like never. Um, But it is hard when you're trying to, to, to find women that are willing to be vulnerable and share their story. And you know, I've, I've had people agree. And then one reason or another, they don't, um, I had two scheduled today and, and both backed out. And so it was just like, for whatever their reasons are, it's just whatever their reasons are. Um, so it, it, and then it's like in those moments, it's hard not to take it personally and be like, is it? Cause I, I've had, I've had, I think two people now who kind of said that my podcast wasn't professional enough for them, or I can't remember the words. One was like professional enough. And then another one was like, not the direction that she believes recovery should be. And I was just like, oh, damn. But I just look at it like, well, I'm, this is, this is my podcast. Yeah. Like, this is always going to be me. And I'm, I'm not a professional. I am somebody who is recovering from years, years of a harmful gambling addiction. I am not, I didn't even, I don't, I never even did a zoom meeting before my first, you were my first zoom meeting. Not joking. You're my first. Cause I was like, how does this thing work? Like, <laughs> Like, you know, I was that person and I want people to understand this when they do their first Zoom meeting. We have all been that person that can't figure out how to get the sound to work or the camera to come on or, right. you know, like what's going on. We've all had that experience. You know? into a coughing fit in the middle of being a guest on someone else's podcast or right. something else. Yeah. It's I not- had somebody ask me to, to cite the um, serenity prayer at the end of a speaker thing. And I drew... I know this thing by heart and I drew a complete blank and I'm like, you're going to have to get me started. I can't, 
<laughs> you know, those kind of moments are like when you're like freezing up as you're sharing your story and your internet decides yeah. to be a dick and it's just like, you're frozen and that's sorry, poor choice of words. Sorry, mom. Um, your internet decides to freeze up and everyone's like, we can't, you're, you're breaking up. Like we, yeah, we've all had those those moments and for me it's just like my sound quality can be shit at times um because I forgot to use the right mic which I'm gonna go in and check and see if I'm using the right mic right now okay you sound good over here I um I can't say how many times I think it's every time I get on with you and Brian and something or even Brian and Jeff that I'm like crying like why the hell am I crying on a dang podcast (laughs) What is happening right now? Here I am again. My tears. What the hell? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have yet. I have yet to cry on a podcast. Um, But, you know, and, and I talk about this too, is I, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in my personal life that I don't share. Um, you know, the people that are, are closest to me, you know, they, they, they get to help me through that, but you know, there's a lot of, you know, I, I struggle with this for well over a de- decade, you know, it's 15 years and there's a lot of trauma there. There's a lot of trauma that I lived through. There's a lot of trauma I created, you know, with my game. So there's, there's still just so much emotions that are still so tightly packed even though I'm working the steps, it probably is going to take me working the steps another three times to really feel like I've, I've scratched the surface of this shit. And now you're just going to keep doing it. Yeah. Just keep doing it. I mean, I'm five and a half and I'm like, Oh, look, what's this? Where did this come from? Oh, that's like had some flashbacks to when I was nine years old. And suddenly I'm like right back there, a scared little kid again. And that, I think back to that point about recovery versus abstinence, like in abstinence, I would probably stuff that. And in recovery, I'm like, Ooh, what's this? Yeah. How can I help myself see how this is emotionally hitting me and sit with that feeling and recognize the feeling for what it is and connect it to today. When I feel that same emotion, am I acting nine years old? (laughs) Um, So anyhow, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it is a, a continuous process. It's a growth process. It's not an overnight flip of the switch. Um, not for me anyway. So if your experience is like mine, this is something you get to continue to do with yourself for the rest of your life. Yeah. And let's talk about that for a second. You know, a lot of people, we were talking about meetings and how you hear the person in the meeting is like 20 years, 10 years in, and you're just like, holy crap, like really, I'm going to be in meetings. this And I hear this so much. Like, I can't imagine this being my life for 20 years, but there's a couple of things here. Like that's their, that's their community. Those that's their tribe. That's their people who understand that you can be right back to gambling. It's just one bad day to be right back there. Even if you've got 20 years, you know, And so it's just important to have people that connect with it. It doesn't have to be a meeting. It can be just a community of women that you've, you've come across in recovery. And that is one thing that I'm so grateful for you for, because you showed me that 
recovery isn't a life sentence of meetings. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's life. It's life. Yeah. It's a beautiful life of healing, growth, empowerment. Um, and yeah, that, so like this burden thing that I have to yes, do for an hour. I have yes, to go for an, at least yes. an hour a week. Right. Yeah. And so I, it's just like, I want people to understand that. Like if you, if you go in with the mindset of like, this is something I have to do, then yeah, you're not going to get what you need out of it because you're looking at it like a chore. Like I have to load the dishwasher. I have to do the dishes. Um, no, you look at it as like, I get to grow. I get to heal. I get to find a new passion. I get to find a new purpose. I get to you know, figure out what life can really be for me. And I am, I am a living example of that. I did not grow as a person when I was gambling. I did not grow. I did not gain new experiences because if there was a new experience in front of me, I was not present to experience it. And so it's just like, for me, (laughs) I just don't look at it like life sentence meetings. I look at it like a journey, you know, of, of self-discovery and as cliche as all that just sounds it's it's my truth you know it's every much my truth and I think that's the truth for many of us in long-term recovery um we begin to see also too that you know I get to be there for someone else as a way almost to pay it forward for the people who were there for me did we even tell people who we are at the beginning of this podcast no but I would hope by now they know like, I, I would hope by now that they know that, hi, I'm Christina. I'm a compulsive gambler. I am 364 days bet-free at this moment. And we are talking about my one-year anniversary. And I'm Tara. <laughs> I'm just here. <laughs> I'm just here, Christina's sister in recovery. Yes. That's my role here today. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about something before we kind of wrap it up. Um, let's talk about, this is something that I've, a conversation that I've really kind of have stood on the sidelines of through my recovery, but you're intrigued, okay. right? You're like, Ooh, where's this going to go? I, like, is it something we've already talked about or is this new? It's kind, it's new. It's something I want to kind of put out there for the people that are listening so that they can really kind okay. of give them some food for thought. Um, I yeah. do want to do a, a caution note. Like this is not, again, not judgment. This is not to tell you that your recovery should look any which way. This is just to show you what I did to get this far in my own personal recovery. And it's just kind of a sensitive subject because people can get, you know, like offended easily when, when they think that they're not doing enough for their own personal recovery. Right. And they, they're just like, they just get offended and it's not, it's not that intention at all. It's just, I showed up in recovery. I showed up every day. I chose to put myself first in a lot of, a lot of times that, um, I would have, I would have not put my first myself first, you know, and that's would have led to hard feelings and things like that. So it was very much like I had to decide I've got to do this for me. I've got to, to do this. I've got to save my life. It was very much up to me to do the work. And I showed up every day. Was I a hundred percent present every day? No, 
because life just isn't, doesn't work that way, but I still showed up. And that was, that's, that's the thing that you have to do every day. You have to put the work in. You can't expect things to just fix and repair on their own. You know, when you're, when you're trying to convince your family that you're, you're going to do better, you're going to change telling them, isn't going to do it. You've got to show them. You've got to show them by doing the work, by making the changes, because nothing's going to change if nothing ever changes. Right. So this is the kind of the sensitive subject. People say all the time, I don't have time to do meetings. I don't have time to invest in myself to do recovery. This is the taboo. This almost sits right alongside. We don't talk about our menstrual cycles. This, this conversation here, but just think, how did you make time to gamble? How did you make time? All those, all those times that you skipped that to go gamble, you, um, you can, you can sit on the couch and listen to a podcast. You can sit on the couch and, and take a meeting. You know, you can, you can, you can take a meeting now today as easily as you can gamble on your phone. Right now we could find one that starts in five minutes, right. every hour on the hour, 24 hours a day. Now there are recovery meetings available virtually to anybody in the world. Gamblers and recovery.com recovery And, you know, I'm part of a problem gambling group that has a meeting every day, um, different, a different time every day to kind of help with people, uh, around the world. And of course, gamblersanonymous.org has all the, the, the 12 step specific meetings through that organization as well. Yeah. And you can get all the paperwork. You can order like all the paperwork from them. If, if you're taking those meetings, Zoom, you can order all the paperwork from them. Uh, Recovery Road Online also has like women specific meetings. And they also have tons of paperwork, like tons of things to read. And so when I say, you know, I made time for my recovery. I made it a priority. Um, but instead of like making those excuses and that's what they are, I'm sorry. That's, that's honest to goodness what they are. Um, I, I chose to just, even on those days, I didn't want to do a meeting. Like those are the days I needed that meeting. And so it's, it's a touchy subject and I, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, but that's, that's, there's truth to that. So I'm over here laughing at Christina because I don't see this as controversial. Like, uh, and, and, but for me, I'm just like, I hundred percent believe meetings make it like, so I fall into that. I believe that's true. And that's why I ask you, have you been to a meeting, you know, and when you tell me something's wrong, like, what are you doing? And I, it's always like, I don't even have to, well, I'm always going to ask, what are you doing for yourself? Right. Like I'm, I went to a meeting. I'm like, okay. I, um, I don't think it's controversial to say to people that meetings make it. Yeah. I, I don't find that controversial at all. I've got my own little controversial thoughts about recovery in general too. Well, I think the reason why I worry about it is because when you're, especially when you're in early recovery or you're struggling to gain days in recovery, like everything's offensive, you know, and I never want to be that voice. It's like, I never want to be that voice. It's like meetings or how you do it. 
You know what I mean? Because, okay, so let's say meetings aren't for you. What else are you doing for your recovery? Yeah. Like, yeah, even if meetings aren't for you, some people have severe social anxiety, whatever. If they aren't for you, what else are you doing? What else are you making time out of your day to do? I mean, there's so many things that can be, you know, you've got self-care, you've got um, boundaries, you've got just reflection, meditation, working on yourself. You've got books, podcasts, YouTube shows, you've got um, connection groups. So I would say for the, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's so many other things you can do, but meetings, you don't have to do a meeting every day. You don't have to do three meetings a week, but I don't, yeah. I mean, a meeting, never have. a meeting well, a week, first week will help you kind of reconnect and, and do those kinds of things. So I, um, yeah, I I'm certainly I'm with you that we wouldn't want to be like meetings, make it. It's the only thing that works. Like, I don't think that, I think there's lots of things that work. Um, I would say meeting time meeting with yourself would count as a meeting. If you're focused on working on healing from your gambling addiction, that could mean ordering the literature and having an hour set aside for yourself each week and maybe talking to one person who, who can objectively hear you listen to you. Um, But I know there are, there are people who attend meetings, especially in this virtual setting and never speak and they get a lot out of only listening. And so that is possible on the phone, phone in meetings. And that is possible on the zoom meetings that do allow people to be without cameras. Not all of them do, but it certainly, if you popped into one, they would tell you the rules. Um, and you could certainly ask whoever's chairing that meeting in the chat without ever speaking out loud, if you could just be there to observe and then tell them that you're a compulsive gambler in the chat anonymously. Um, so that's, yeah, I, but I, I think that a meeting can come in a lot of forms and that it doesn't need to be this large group setting. It might be a meeting with a therapist. Yeah. It might be, yeah, it, it, but some kind of meeting, I guess, um, not necessarily pushing 12 step meeting because we know that program doesn't work for everybody. Right. But there's so many different programs out there too. You've got celebrate recovery. You've got smart recovery. You've got, um, recovery Dharma. Yeah. I mean, there's just so, there's just so many different, different ways. And it can even be like a recovery group that meets what, and it doesn't have to be gambling specific. It's just, just anything oh. that helps you just even think about moving past it. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I just, I don't want anybody to feel heavier from that conversation, but I just want people to understand that, you know, it's, it's important to invest in yourself. It's important to take that time. And, you know, even if you took a fraction of the time that you, you spent gambling, if you just took a quarter of that time and spend it on yourself instead of, you know, that didn't come out right. I'm not saying like work on yourself 5%, gamble 95%. I'm just saying, yeah, please don't do that. If you're gambling and you've stopped gambling, if you look at all the time you spent gambling, if you just took a little piece of that time, you know, now you don't have to give all that same amount of time. If you just gave yourself a little bit of that time that you spent gambling, if you just gave yourself that time, 
to work on yourself, it, it will change. It will change you. And it's, it's, it can be very much about the baby steps, you know, just make simple changes. Just, and one of those is stop the excuses. <laughs> stop saying you don't have time for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you found time to do things that harmed you. Find time to do things that heal you very much. So, um, and I think too, you yeah. know, when I talk about like where I'm going to go in this space and things like that, I've had moments where I'm like, maybe I should be a little bit quieter. You know, like I have these times where I'm just like, maybe I should be a little bit quieter in this space and just kind of like stick with what I'm doing, kind of stick within like this small sphere of recovery and maybe just work my steps. And, but then thankfully, and those are probably on the days that I've had like podcast interviews, not work out or rejection in some form or a tough day, you know, and that my mind can kind of go to like, well, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Um, but thankfully most of the days, especially when I get beautiful messages from people, um, is like, you know what? I don't want to be quieter. I want to be louder in a space. That's, that's so deafening with silence of this addiction. I want, I want to be louder than that. And so I'm thankful the podcast is reaching people. I'm thankful it's helping people. I'm thankful I'm going to be 365 days in recovery and then I'll be 366 days and then I'll be 367 days because I feel good. I'm still taking it one day at a time, but I, uh, I'm feeling really good with my road. I have a lot of obstacles ahead. And I have a lot of good things ahead, but I have an amazing support system. Um, yeah. So grateful that your voice is out there and for you being my sister in recovery for answering that random Instagram message <laughs> uh, right around this time last year. That's so such an honor to have you in my life. And I can't see where I, I can't wait to see where this road takes you. Yeah, I've got some some big things coming up and um, I, I get to participate in the big conference, uh, the big national um, gambling, what is it? National Problem Gambling Conference. Is that what it is? I get to come cheer you on. Yeah. yeah. And I get to have a talk and, and be in front of people. Um, so, you know, these things are are just all stepping stones to where I hope. I hope I'll be able to make an impact and be a voice for women, especially right now. A lot of the media focuses on sports betting because it's, it's just, it's on fire. And so a lot of the conversations are about young men because they're hugely affected by the sports betting. And I mean, there's so many people that are affected by sports betting, but right now that's kind of where the spotlight is. And it's great. I'm just glad people are talking about it, but at the same time, we are, we are women are just not even represented in this community. And I just don't want us to get lost in, in the light, you know, and that's, that's kind of where my advocacy will always kind of go. Yeah. 
I'll be right there with you. I think sometimes you're dragging me into stuff and I couldn't thank you more. Uh, you put so you just put all this effort into connecting with new people. And I think we've got an interview coming up for women's history. Like there is somebody who's being like, you know, yay, it's March. So we get to come represent women in March. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so That's amazing. Uh, I'm always like, um, Hey Tara, I signed us up for this. Hey Tara, I did this. And you're like, okay. I remember asking. I will always. I, I'll just always say yes. So okay, just sign me and up. That's what I that's what Whatever. I go with. I'm like, well, um, <laughs> I know another wonderful woman who would be more than happy to come along. And they're like, great, you know, because they have the same yeah. problems too of like finding finding people that will talk about this. So I yeah, I think that's a funny thing that shows just the difference that two women in recovery can have, even though both we both have these hearts for advocacy and things that we want to do. And I'm um you're really brave about it in a way that I'm still practicing being brave about it. Like I'm brave. Yeah, I am brave. I'm not going to pretend that I'm not brave. I did my own little video thing that that's now on my state. Yes. It was amazing. My state's problem gambling council website. And that was brave, but I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I'm get up on a stage brave. I don't, (laughs) I've done it before for like products, product launches for a software company. And I've done that before a room full of thousand people. No. And I did fine. Why, when it comes to something like this and it's so personal about my recovery, I'm still working on being ready. And so I think that's a great, you know, message for the other women out there that we're all at different levels of readiness and our ability to help one another. And Christina and I are in really privileged positions. I don't want to just count that where not everyone can do this. Not everyone can speak about their problem gambling or have the ability to say, even if somebody who I don't want to hear it, hears it, I'll live because it's so worth it for me to put my voice out there. That is a privilege that a lot of people in recovery from this addiction just simply don't have because of who they are in their communities or, or what have you. And um, so if there's anything you want us to say on your behalf, I think you can always reach out to either one of us. And also I, we both are willing to have guests on completely anonymously too. Absolutely. If you ever want to, you know, that whole, what's that? Brian's always going to come up in my head. Hashtag talking helps. You know, it does, it does really, really help. It really does. And just knowing that your story can really be impactful on somebody else's um, mm-hmm. there you know, they could listen to your story and be like, you know what, if she can overcome that, so can I, so can I, and I've had that experience myself and I've had numerous people reach out to me and say the very same thing, you know, that they heard somebody's story and they're just like, um, it really kind of opened my eyes and, and they, you know, it's changed their life. And so, yeah, I'm always, we're always looking for people that, that, want to, want to share. So I guess instead of making this, you know, like a two hour, two hour episode, uh, I guess we can go ahead and wind it down. I'm not sure if it was like, we really like stayed on, on task. I feel like I was just like with me, I always feel like I'm all over the place until I go back and I edit it and I'm like, okay, it's kind of smooth. You're celebrating your one year and talking about the journey. I don't, 
Yeah. Sometimes it's a loop daily journey. So that's okay. <laughs> Just like our conversation. Sometimes they stay, <laughs> yeah. they stay where they're supposed to go. Sometimes it's squirrel, you know, like, oh, let's go here. Which yeah. is why I don't think I will ever have a professional podcast. <laughs> like people are like, oh, can you send me, you know, your questions and your, your timeline and your, um, you know, spreadsheet. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm winging yeah. it. I'm I winging it. Like, the most, yeah. The most professional thing about my podcast is the release form. Uh, I'm bad about that I've got too. that. I've got that. And then people, but people, when people ask me for my questions, I'm like, I ask the same five questions, like every time we're here, here they are. Um, but we never stay on just those five questions ever because we're humans, not robots. And yeah, yeah. me, I'm just like, I, the questions will come to me. Like, yeah, they I will. just let, I just let your story create the questions in me. And that's, that's kind right. of how, how I roll. Um, so, cause I'll, I'll be doing the bet free life, which is a show I do with Brian Hatch, uh, check it out. And like, he, he's just like, so, so smart. And he, he comes up on those. And like the last episode I did with Arnie, I'm just like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. cause I could like, like visually see my wheels, like spinning. Like I had the question. I just, <laughs> I couldn't get it out, you know? And I always say, Brian, Hey, why don't you, you know, just kind of edit that stuff out. And he's like, okay, no, he never edits. And he doesn't know. <laughs> No, he never does because he just thinks. Oh, and he owns that. I think too somewhere. He does. Was it his podcast? Mm -hmm. A podcast episode? I think. Like, "Ah, I'm not going to take it out anyway. So whatever. Yeah, he's like, I'm human. I'm human. It's just to remind you, I'm human. So it's like sometimes I get hung up, and I'm like, I think that's what people mean when they say I'm not professional enough. (laughs) But I'm not a radio caster. I'm not. I'm just somebody that's just like, yeah. So. Anyway, well, at this point, you're a pro thousands and thousands of downloads, a hundred, a couple hundred women in your group, broke girl society. If you haven't ever been in her group, group on Facebook, where women are supporting one another as they grow in their recovery. And it's a very, I would say it's a very drama free place. Wouldn't you like, I know a lot of these communities, there's a lot of, there's so many different opinions, right? We're all so different. Our recoveries are so different. Everybody has opinions, um, which is fine. Um, and sometimes a lot of these groups, cause I'm in several, uh, gambling recovery groups, they can get really heated, you know, and it's when, when I created the broke girl society in the Facebook group, it was like, I'm not going to allow that. Like, we're going to, we're yeah. going to come from a place of understanding, empathy, hope. And I feel like everybody has showed up for that. Like it, I don't, it's not like I said, Hey, be nice. Like it was just everybody who's in that. It's almost like, like the the universe has gravitated these people to this community that are just beautiful and kind and really are just there. Safe haven. Yeah. There's no drama. Yeah. The other thing I'd noticed is there's not a lot of, um, and this is something that I, I hope was true for my group too, that I don't want it to be a place where it's just like, bad, 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 but that women are celebrating women. Women are celebrating their success together. Somebody posted in your group this week and I, um, I got nervous when I saw the first sentence, it said, I had a big win and I was like, Oh oh no, did she gamble? Right. And then I kept reading and it was 
the big win was that she didn't gamble. And I was like, yes, yeah. these are the kinds of wins we celebrate around here. Yeah. You know? And I, there is more of that, you know, or like I was reflecting today and it seems more like reflection and inspiration than it does talk of desperation and self-destruction. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think there's people in the, in the group that are, you know, who very much are going through that, those first stages. And, and, but for me, it's like, I think reading, reading those kind of stories are important to, to help us who are a little further on in our recovery, understand like, Hey, we're just one moment away from being right back there. So I think that it's just finding that really, really good balance. And I think we've had people that have, have, have posted in there who are just like, look, this is what's going on with me. I myself will post, I will share like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Um, and I want people to, to feel like it's a safe place to be able to do that. But I also love it when, when somebody just posts an encouraging, an encouraging little quote they came across and, and something, yeah. cause I'm just very much about that because you can read something and it can just change your day. It can just change yeah. your mindset for the day. And so it's just like, totally, it's a great, and you're, you're, what I love about your group is it's always like just a level up of like my thoughts, like my thoughts are on this one level, like, and then I'll come across something you post and I'm like, oh, you just completely elevated. You completely elevated me today. Like you completely, you know, helped me like, I'm excited. Ooh. I'm excited to do more work in my group. Um, to do some of the coaching stuff. Cause that's, I mean, that's where I geek out, right? It's like, okay, how do we next level? How do we get our thoughts from here to here and belief shifting and all that, all that. But I think just, I don't, I'm feeling a little unsettled, if you will, about the phrasing I had earlier. So I will say, I, I definitely wasn't saying that your group isn't a brave and safe place for people who are having hard days. It's just, uh, the tone to me when I read it comes across so much more like self-reflection and a place that's seeking support as opposed to somebody speaking into a void about their pain and like other people saying, go to a meeting, yeah. go to a meeting, yeah. go to a meeting. Yeah, very much so. I, <laughs> and I, that's meant. how I interpreted that's it. That's what I meant. Yeah, that's how, that's how I interpreted it. It's like, that's very much like, I didn't want that atmosphere. Like I know I was talking earlier about like, we both were about how important meetings are because that's what we believe. Yeah. And that's, what's gotten yeah. us to where we are. But I will never be that person. That's just like on when they're, when somebody's sharing their darkest moments and you're just like, go to a meeting, do the steps. It worked for me. It worked for you. Read your book. <laughs> yeah. Like it's because that's not helpful. Instead, I'm going to tell you, it can't, I know today yeah. is hard. Yeah. I know today is hard. You've got tomorrow. Let's, let's work on how we can get through, how, how we can get through this together. Right. You're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm just over here giggling at how many posts I've read where like the first 10 comments to somebody who spills their darkest moment on a page with complete strangers. That's such a brave thing yes. to do. And the next comments are go to a meeting, go to a meeting. Have you been to a meeting? Do you have a sponsor? Get to whatever program that person thinks is the right way to recover instead of that empathy. And maybe that's the special thing about the women's only setting where it's 
primarily women coming in and leading with love. Yeah, definitely. Because you're going to get so much further if you just, just open up instead of, and that's kind of the beautiful thing about the recovery community in general. Like there's not a lot for the most part, there's not a lot of judgment, right? Those who live in glass houses, right? But occasionally you do, you do come across just opinions, opinions, like, which when you like earlier, you were saying when, when you're early in recovery, that can feel like judgment as opposed to support. And when we feel judged, the last thing we're going to do is follow that person's direction. Right. Exactly. And I think that's what I was trying to say when I was talking about, you know, making excuses and those types of things. I don't want anybody to feel judged. I just want you to, to recognize, is this an excuse or is this something else? You know, yeah, is this actually true yeah. that I don't have time? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah. so I think that was more, I hope I got that across. I hope people continued to listen past that and just heard me say that. So that it's it, because it can, you know, when you're in that emotional state, like it, yeah. everything can feel like you're being attacked, you know, because you're attacking yourself already. Right. Right. You're already beating yourself up. And so somebody can say something and mean it in the most serious, empathetic heartfelt way. And then you just hear it. Like she's judging me. And I hope by now people know that that is not the case for you and I. I'm not here for that. Nope. And ain't I'm nobody got, here to judge you. Ain't nobody got mm-hmm. time for that. No. Nope. So, all right. Well, well, we were going to wind this down. What? 15 minutes ago. Yeah. But I, I appreciate you like last minute, like doing this with me. Cause like I was telling you, I was going to just kind of do something myself and just kind of yeah. talk, but believe it or not, those are like my least listened to episodes or the ones where it's just me talking. And I'm like, you would think hmm. they'd be more cause they're short, like, but yeah. they are the least listened to episodes. And I'm thinking that's just odd. Like <laughs> they'll listen to my other, I guess they're listening for other people. I don't know, but yeah. So but it wasn't so much that it was just like, I, I think I needed like just some help with the conversation today. So I really appreciate Did you have something you wanted to read. I was going to read kind of some reflections that okay. I did, but I don't have them in front of me. So I was just, I kind of said them, I kind of said them when I was just talking about, yeah, just kind of, I kind of went through them, especially just talking about where I fit into this space you know, should I be quieter? Should I be louder? And I'm settling on louder most days, you know, like what else can I do? Even though it's, it's scary. It is so, so scary to put myself out there and to, 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 you know, think, oh, well, somebody didn't respond or somebody didn't react. And, and to, to understand that it's really not personal. It's really not. Yeah. So not personal. And not everybody's going to think what I have to say is interesting. I mean, that's hard to believe, but yeah, I will always think it's interesting. (laughs) You've got at least one person who will always find it interesting. I am so grateful that you've asked me even at the last minute. Um, I'm really glad that my dinner canceled (laughs) and that it's pouring rain and with snow falling on top of it. And it was too scary outside so that I could be here to do this with you. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. Universe on your one year. Thank you. Yes, right. Weather. <laughs> yeah. Even though I know you were going to be celebrating your birthday, which is also tomorrow. So yes. uh, I kind of wish we'd taken like a trip to Cabo or something. Like that would have been fun. We didn't get on it. No, we, didn't. we didn't. We were like, yeah, you want to do that? And then it was, 
like traveling is just like my tickets for July conference have been changed three times, three times they've yeah. been changed. And I keep having to go and they're like, well, we changed it to this. If it's a problem. Well, yeah, it's a problem. It was like, there's a six hour, like layover. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Whoa. Yeah. It's, it's been a mess, but, um, well, we get to go to Boston in July and I get to be your cheerleader at the conference. I have a lot of things. I'm so excited. I have a lot of things coming up, um, that I'm, I'm really excited about. And I've got some interviews coming out. So hopefully those will not be disappointing. Um, cause I've been kind of disappointed in the U S media landscape when it comes to gambling addiction. So I've got some of those coming out. I've got some, um, podcast interviews coming out with other podcasters. I've got, um, I'm working on a book. Uh, I told myself when I got to the, my one year I'd work on a book and I'm can't really share too much about that, but I'm hoping you'll see it sooner rather than later this year. And then, um, I'm also going to start peer recovery support training and become a peer advocate for the state of Oklahoma, the only one in the state of Oklahoma for gambling addiction harm. So lots of great things. And I hope to be able to transition from working full-time and and being able to navigate this full-time and hopefully get, get the word out, get, get women help, you know, be a voice. Yeah. So that's my goal. Thank you so much, Tara. Thanks for having me.